Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Batter Up, 92.9 The Game's weekly Atlanta Braves podcast. I'm Braves insider Joe Patrick here with 92.9 The Game's Knox Bardeen. Knox, what is rattling around your brain right now in in your Braves-centric mind right now? Hey, the MLB draft is high up there. The Braves had a night off yesterday, so we got to focus solely on that. Uh, Ooh, the, the, the MLB draft, <laughs> baby. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, it's not as sexy as the NFL draft. It's not as sexy as the upcoming NBA draft we have here in a, in a few weeks. And that all has to do with the immediacy of how quickly these players right. get to, to, to the show. But um, we all paid attention to that, and we're all really paying attention to some of the things on the field for the Braves. I know we'll get to this later. Dansby Swanson, yep, yep. some of the pitching. So um, Yeah, we, we probably should cover the draft here real quick before uh, everybody hates us for not you know covering every single uh, side of Atlanta Braves right now. Um, so let's talk about it. Braves drafted a catcher with their first pick, ninth overall pick in the draft. Seems like a good guy. He's a defensive. He's mainly a defensive player right now. Hopefully, the bat will develop, but looks like he will be a fast track to the major league baseball just because he's already got the defensive ability. And what I found even more interesting than the players that were drafted by the Braves yesterday is the fact that it was a huge jump in in the way that the team has drafted recently. Usually, mm-hmm. and over the last four or five years, it's been pitcher, pitcher, mm-hmm. young, youth. Um, and they went with a catcher. Then they went with a shortstop. Then they went with another shortstop. And what they said afterwards was, hey, we we don't draft based on team need. Right. You hear that in football all the time. Right. The Braves don't draft for, for team need either. They looked at the draft and said, whoa, all the talent is in the position players at the college level. So that's where they went. Now, I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that they had – maybe you could say they've almost completely – stocked up their their pitching cupboards mm-hmm. in minor leagues but mm-hmm. they didn't need to but you saw them go with a catcher that could be the catcher of the future i know wilson Contreras might have something to say about that but um it was an interesting pick yeah i you know i think when you're looking at draft picks yeah you're you're they could play anywhere pretty much other than catchers are going to be catchers pitchers are obviously going to be pitchers and then everybody else is kind of everybody else you know like you could you could find some of these guys playing totally different positions i know the shortstop uh that they that they drafted with the second pick their second brave second pick Braden shoemake i know i've seen teams that had him projected to be a second baseman not even a shortstop so you know who knows where he's gonna play and the braves kind of admitted he's just very much a a prospect they're kind of excited by his his body frame he's six four and kind of lanky they think he might be able to add some power and if he does that you know who knows what position he'll be playing um, but yeah, so well, and that's true of shortstops throughout the draft. Even right. go up higher away from the Braves, the the sixth pick to the Padres, the local um, Blessed Trinity kid. Um, he played shortstop, was the Gatorade shortstop of the year in, in Georgia, and there's talk of him um, being moved out to center field. Now he said last night he wasn't too keen on that, but that that's kind of the way they look at things. Yeah, yeah, you know, Blessed Trinity is my alma mater. Is it really? It is. Uh, that's where I went to high school. Well, uh, as as did Tyler Flowers. Yes. There's a lot of good baseball talent. It's, out of there it's right crazy. Now. Yeah, it's like a nationally ranked uh, 
team. It's it's insane what they've done there. Uh, lots of good players coming out of Blessed Trinity, but also lots of good players coming to the Braves. So I'm um, looking forward to see these guys. I do love the second pick, Braden Shoemake. Just a great name. Sounds like a cobbler or something. You know, it reminds me of like industrial era baseball Shoemake. You know, like they go out in the street alley and wax a ball with a you know play stickball and stuff. Uh, that's that's what the weird stuff that goes on inside my brain. Um, but let's get away from the draft. I think we've I think we've kind of talked about it enough. These guys are we we this is the last we'll hear from these guys in, for a couple of years now. I would just like we said we, as we were setting this podcast up, it was 2015 when Austin Riley was drafted, when Mike Soroka was drafted. They're just now making a huge impact on this team, but they're just now making that impact. So, yeah, I uh, do. I, I like to talk about pro. I, I like to talk about prospects, but I like to talk about them when they're once they're a little more seasoned. We know a little bit more about them, like a Christian Pache or Drew Waters. These guys, yeah, these are really exciting prospects to talk about. But that we'll save that again for another show because I want to talk about something that kind of goes contrary to a lot of the talk that's been going on around the Braves recently, and that is kind of this huge shift that's happened with, especially in terms of the offense. So I think it's, it's been, you know, well-documented that, you know, the team has performed much better since Ronald Acuna was moved into the leadoff uh, role in the batting order. That happened around mid-May. I think it was right before Austin Riley came up. So that kind of coincides with a lot of the success that the Braves had after that move was made. But I think that something that we, that's happened, which we've talked to Brian Snicker about, is that he, he's admitted that this team has really been carried by the starting pitching. It hasn't necessarily been the batting order that's been, you know, helping the Braves to all these wins. Although they haven't, they didn't win that much much in the past week. But what's really gotten them kind of into this uh, two horse race in the NL East has been the starting pitching. You know, although it does kind of align with Acuna being moved to the top of the order, I'm not sure that it's really paid that many huge dividends in and of itself just that one move i think acuna has actually kind of slumped here recently and i don't think that has so much to do with him moving up to first i, I think there's more and more video on acuna there's mm-hmm, more and more times sure. through um the big leagues and, and they've adjusted to him now he's going to turn around and we know he's a heck of an athlete heck of a hitter he'll adjust to them and he'll pop back up but i don't think that the slump has anything to do with the move up because he got pretty hot for the week as soon as they did it yeah so, he did he, he hit a few homers so that's my theory there, but I, I love the notion that you're taking with how the pitching is carrying this team right now. You take a look at Soroka, who just on June the 1st had his first not start with a, only 0-1. It was, what, three earned runs? <laughs> yeah. Up. It's the first yeah. time he done it all season. That, that's Send him down. Run. Send him back down. <laughs> exactly. Get, get on the shuttle. Get on the Gwinnett shuttle. <laughs> um, and he's still a sub-1-5 ERA, so yeah. he's been absolutely on fire. And I can't say enough, I and let me – pat myself on the back here because I've always been the guy that's been pro Julio Tehran or maybe more pro than most people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought he was getting the bum rap with everyone trying to chase him out of town prior to this season, parts of last season. I know he's not the guy he was, you know, back in 14 or 16. I think those two all-star years for him, but um, his last six starts, a sub one ERA hitters are 142 against him. And that's such a huge jump between his first seven starts where he had a, an ERA above five. So he's obviously figured something out over his last six starts. He obviously and, has confidence. And I go back to the change that he made this spring in terms of not going from the windup anymore and only pitching from the stretch. That was something that he thought would help him with his consistency. And well, and Kevin Seitz are the, the pitching coach and Kevin Gosman, uh, you know, was the one who was one who really introduced him to it. Those two guys um, introduced the idea of not pitching out of the windup. And I think that we're starting to see exactly why something like that can help because he's been a much more consistent pitcher this year than he's been in previous years. You know, kind of the rap on Tehran was always, 
you never know what you're going to get from him, right? Like he could go out there and give up eight runs in in two innings, or he could go out and you know pitch six innings and give up one run or something. You know, pitch a gem. You just right. never quite knew. So I think that maybe that maybe that change, whether it's even all physical, it's probably maybe some, it's some mental. But I think that something has happened. Obviously, that's kind of helped him nail down some consistency because right now you have a lot of confidence. You know what you're going to get out of him. You know, I I don't think that. He's a great starting pitcher. Yeah, he's good, and it, you know his earned run numbers have have borne that out. But I think that you know he still walks a lot of guys. He still he's picks not around the plate. Anyone. Yeah, he's yeah he's, he's still not throwing ninety ninety one. Right. sometimes dipping below that. So right. it's not like he's got filthy stuff. Like you look at you know the rest of this Braves rotation, or at least most of it with the young guns. Um, there's filthy stuff there in some way, shape, or form. Tehran has none of that. <laughs> yeah, I don't mean but, to be mean there. Yeah, but he's but it, and that's where kind of his veteran experience kind of takes over. I think he knows how how to get out of those situations or how to manage certain situations. He's talked to us after games where he 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 has learned to understand when he can kind of pitch around the edges, pitch very fine around the edge of the strike zone, and it's okay to walk a guy in his, in his mind. And he knows guys that he he's got to make sure they're making contact and i think that you know with a veteran pitcher like him you can kind of give him that leeway as to where with some of the younger guys you know you you get concerned when they start you know walking guys that kind of thing obviously we saw that a ton of that earlier this year so maybe some of that has to do with the fact that there is a a gwinnett shuttle going back and forth these guys realize that if they don't hammer it down quickly often uh there's a chance that someone down in gwinnett can come up and try well, I think that segues us in nicely to to our uh, our next talking point, which is Dansby Swanson. The reason I say that it's a good segue is because Dansby was kind of a guy who had some pressure on him coming into this year, and maybe That's maybe an yeah. yeah, yeah, and, and maybe you know, you talk about the Gwinnett show, like a guy like Johan Camargo, who you know is a young player, kind of breathing down Dansby's neck coming into this season. I think a lot of people thought that there was a really good chance that you could see Johan Camargo take over as the everyday shortstop or if Dansby didn't perform and Camargo came in and performed like he did last year. Of course, both of those things are have, have proven they're diverging for sure. Uh, Camargo is, is really struggling. He looks, uh, he looks really off balance and at the plate and it's, it's not good right now, but for Dansby, it's the complete opposite. Uh, let's listen to, first of all, to what Freddie's been talking about with him uh, and the pr- improvements he's seen with him at the plate. Yeah, it's been huge. Um, it's been awesome to see. It's, it's a whole new person. When you got confidence in your in your health, it's, it's, that's, that's all you need. Is as long as you're healthy, a lot of us believe our results are going to be there. And uh, what he's done since he's moved to the two hole has been huge. Um, getting big hits, uh, great at bats, um, grinding at bats. Um, you know, anybody could gun up and try to hit a home run in the eighth inning, but work the walk in on base. And those are the little things that uh, help us win. It's crazy. I mean, Dansby's already at 12 homers this year. I think he only had 14 all of last year, so he's almost at his total. And what's more impressive about it to me is that he's hitting these homers all over the place. He's not just pulling the, you know, he's not just pulling it out to left field. In fact, right. he's hitting a ton of homers out to right center uh, over that, you know, one of the deepest part of the ballparks so over the the tall brick wall uh, at the 375 mark. So, it's really impressive to see what he's done at the plate. And we made a really big deal out of that the first week. I think his first home run was an oppo shot. Mm-hmm. And he said, that's the first time I've ever hit an oppo shot. <laughs> yeah. So everyone was making a huge deal out of that. And I'm sitting here thinking, well, let's see two or three of those oppo shots before we start talking about he can spray the field. Well, now we've seen it, right? Now he, he definitely has legit 
spray chart power from from left to right, and I think it's definitely altering the way pitchers are able to pitch against him because they no longer can try to live on that outside part of the plate. So yeah. They have to bring it inside and try to challenge him that way. Exactly. And I think that's part of it. You know, Dansby's talked about how he's always struggled with that slider off the off the outside corner, and now he's worked with Chipper Jones to allow the ball to travel in a little deeper, and what that's doing is allowing him to basically read that pitch better and stay off of it. Um, so he can, he can, he's swinging at better pitches. That's huge for him. And he's getting less and less of those outside off the, off the plate sliders because he's not swinging at them. So he's getting better pitches to hit. And he's also made some mechanical tweaks too. We've talked about it, but if you haven't seen it, um, Chipper Jones, uh, Dave O'Brien did a great article, um, talking about the work that Chipper Jones has done with Dansby Swanson, moving his hands down a little bit in his batting stance, just allowing him to be more of a, a swinger that has more power to opposite field. He, he, Chipper in the in the piece uh, said he could be a hitter like Derek Jeter. That that kind of you know opposite field power that he always had. Um, so it's really interesting to see kind of the developments he's making. And I'm just sitting here looking. Um, what you just said sparked a, uh, an idea. I wanted to look at um, since he was chasing sliders outside the zone, especially on the outside corner. I wanted to look at how his pitch selection was and his. Um, Swinging at, at pitches outside the zone has dropped from 36% last year to 27%. So he's not chasing that silly yeah. stuff outside. Yeah, he, He's waiting for his pitch, and he's obviously destroying a lot of them because his home run totals are, are through the roof right now. Yeah, and it was funny. When he hit his 12th, everyone in the clubhouse was asking him after the game about it, and it was pretty funny. He just said he he does not care about home runs. That's not what he's about. Um, he, I mean, he's it's a great he, sound bite. But it, come on, I know. Yeah, I, I don't believe him for a second. But you know, he, he talked about you know doing all kinds of things. Um, you know, his he, focusing on his his play in the field, his base running, that kind of thing. Let's listen to Walt Weiss. So Walt Weiss was ma- actually managing for the Braves on Sunday. Brian Snicker was uh, was out sick. Listen to what Walt Weiss had to say about the way that Dansby's uh, improving in his overall game. No, he's turned into a, a complete player. Um, like I said, a very athletic, dynamic defensively. Runs the bases extremely well. One of our best base runners, and and the offense is is really coming. Pretty high praise, I think, coming from first of all a, a, a former shortstop himself, a very good defensive shortstop himself, Walt Weiss. Um, just to hear him talk about him being a, a dy- like a dynamic uh, shortstop defensively, all the things he brings you on the table. You know, he talks about him his base running being one of his strongest assets, and that's what scored the winning run for the Braves okay. in, in the game against the Tigers on Sunday was his ability to score from first on a Freddie Freeman double down the right field line. So. Dansby's all of a sudden he's looking like he was at the beginning of the season what two months ago he was a guy that people were thinking might lose his job to now he's near he's not going to make the all-star team but he's 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 nearing that kind of potential and people it happened here a couple of times at the radio station on the air yesterday I've seen it happen on Twitter a million times and a couple of other Braves guys that have, have laughed at it or, or whatever but at least you can make this statement now and you couldn't make it ever in his career. But his his numbers, and I'm using bad for, for radio air quotes here, his numbers suggest that he's on pace for a 3,100 season. Right, right. And while that's laughable because he's never even come close to ever doing stuff like that, the, the pace numbers show that. So I don't think anyone who's sane thinks that that's going to happen because there's going to be ebbs and flows to what he does. But he's shown us over – it's not really a small sample size anymore. It's 50-some-odd yeah. games, right? Yeah that um, he could be on this kind of pace. Now, if he, he finishes that way, the, boy, do the Braves have something special. But 
let's just say he gets to to 20 and 75. Well, heck, that's a huge jump from his career highs um, anywhere else. So I, I think what he's doing right now at the plate, and, and we talked about using both fields. We talked about his approach to, you know, the pitch selection. We also, you know, his fly ball rate hasn't changed a bit since yeah. last year, 37.5%. What's changed is he's got, what, a 10% uptick in line drives and a 10%, you know, downward tick in, in ground balls. So he's he's hitting the ball properly. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and that goes back to his offseason adjustments too. Yeah, and, he, and he, big hits too. Hits that drive in runs. Freddie Freeman talked about this. Freddie Freeman said he's not as concerned about the home run numbers with Dansby either as much he is, as he is concerned about the amount of RBIs he's getting, you know, the amount of runs he's driving in. Cause, Leads the team in RBI, right? Yeah, I, I believe he does. He's got 41 so far in the season. His previous his his previous career high is 59 and 51 are his, in the last two years. So he's going to crush those marks. Um, just really good to see. And, you know, it's so, again, I just can't stop but keep going back to where we were at the beginning of the season with him. He was batting, I think, eighth. Yeah. Uh, you know, just nope. Please don't put any pressure on him. You know, just just leave him be. And that now he's a main component of the Braves lineup, hitting and second. Hitting second, right? Yeah. So he's totally changed, totally reverse his fortunes. Yeah, forty-one RBI leads the team. He got um, Freddie Freeman at thirty-five behind them, and Acuna at thirty-four. We probably should talk about the way that this does impact Johan Camargo because he hasn't been a player that Braves fans, us at the station, have kind of talked about. Obviously, there was big plans for him to come in as this uh, super utility, et cetera, et cetera. We've heard all the descriptors. And now I just don't know what the Braves might do with him. I think he's probably a tradable asset for them at this point, I would think. He has to be. And I think it goes back to the conversation from episode two of our podcast is what do the Braves do when Ender and Ciarte is is ready to come back? Because he's now started um, working mm-hmm. out and starting to get ready. I I think, especially with... The, the Braves, how, how do I want to say this? Because I definitely don't, you know, Ronald Acuna has been everything the Braves have, have hoped for and its fans have hoped for and more. But this team is probably, would probably fare better with Ender and Ciarte in center field. And and I know there's a lot of other problems with that. You know, where do you put Acuna? Where do you put Riley? Um, I think if the Braves had the option of activating Ender and Ciarte and, and having him as a defensive fill-in role, um, that definitely puts Camargo somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, and you just, the numbers, I've, I've seen people kind of complaining that Camargo hasn't kind of gotten a fair shot this season based on the role he had. Yeah. Um, but I don't, and that's totally fair going into the season, you know, if you, if you didn't, if you felt like he should have had more of an opportunity to prove himself. But at this point, you don't want to be putting him in there. No. You don't want, you don't want to let him trying to, you don't want to, let him try to, you know, recover his form at the detriment of the team. Uh, you Especially don't want to. With he's, what Josh Donaldson has been doing. Yeah, I mean, there's no way he's got a negative .4 WAR. He's uh, OPSing under 600. I mean, it's been really terrible. Everything you just said is absolutely right. He probably didn't get a fair shake. Yeah, his for sure. Numbers and what he did for last year probably should have led to him getting more of um, more of a shake. However, when Josh Donaldson was signed for the amount of money he signed for, he wasn't going to play third base. And then he didn't get regular at-bats to start the season. And all these dominoes that have just fallen, they I guess they caught up with him, and he's just found himself unable to repeat what he did last year. And that he's not going to make him – he's not going to make the Braves put him in the lineup doing that. The good news is that I think he does retain some of his value based on what he's done at the major league level in the past, you know, it, last year. 
I, th- I think that does still hold weight for teams. I don't think he's going to be the main centerpiece in a trade, um, but I think he's a good kind of side option to get. Or you, could, he, I mean, he could be the main centerpiece in a trade if you're looking to add like a, a solid bullpen arm. You know, someone might want to make that deal. Not not a closer, but you know, right. just just a, a, a bullpen arm. I do still think, fortunately, he carries some value. Unlike Ender, which I who I feel doesn't have as much value because he's on a big contract he's coming off injury issues with a you know back can be chronic hard to diagnose so these are all things that you know the braves will the braves will deal with um potentially trading these guys over the next you know couple months here before the before the trade deadline so that's going to do it um for this week's show please continue to check us out on radio.com and subscribe to us on itunes if itunes even still exists i don't think it does i think they're doing away with it so Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts on Stitcher. Give us ratings wherever you do that. And uh, you can follow us each on Twitter. I'm at Patrick 200 Knox is at Knox Bardeen. Pretty simple. It's his name. I should get a better Twitter handle. Uh, and you can just follow the station at 929 The Game. So with all that out of the way, we will see you all next week on Better Up. this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can conquer it i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road any road the steeper the better because my all-new santa fe is available with h-track all-wheel drive so i can hit the trail without a worry in the world Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.